0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Now, the spine has a normal curve to it, which is intended to help distribute your weight evenly and allow your body to withstand various stresses that occur when we go about our daily movements and activities. But what happens when the spine develops an abnormal curvature in a condition that we will be discussing today known as scoliosis? Joining me on the show via Zoom, Dr. Rajesh Singh, consultant orthopedic surgeon. To set the story straight on scoliosis and to address some common myths and misconceptions that often abound when it comes to this condition. How are you, Dr. Rajesh? You like my little pun there.
1: I love it. I love it. Slipped in there so smoothly.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. So, um, when it comes to, well, I don't want to say the the average or typical spine. I I guess um, what a healthy spine should be or should look like. Um, Can you describe that and how this idea of the curvature uh, should be?
1: Okay. um, Look, I think that's a lovely place to start, right? I think this idea of normal is highly overrated. um, And I have thought that from when I was a boy. Now, the idea of a healthy spine is really good one. And the idea of a healthy spine is basically a spine that you're not aware that you have. It's a part of your body that just works. And you don't know that it's there. And I think a patient really brought it home to me. Um, they had a shoulder problem. I treated the shoulder problem. And then when they came and sat down and I asked, how's your shoulder? They said, I don't know it's there anymore. And I thought, oh, well, I suppose that's that's kind of a good way to describe it, right? Because you don't really think about your body parts. it just kind of then they do what they have to do without sort of too much um, attention grabbing, uh, name calling or call for attention. Mm-hmm. So a healthy spine is one that does what it does quietly um, without you knowing that it's there.
0: Mm-hmm. So how do we know that it's not doing what it's supposed to do, right? So um, I feel very frequently um, lower back pains, for instance. I know that's um, generally muscular in nature. Uh, but, but is that it? Is it when um, pain occurs when it shouldn't? Is it when I'm not able to do what I should be able to do for daily activities?
1: Okay, so let's start with the theme of the aging spine. Now, everybody, everybody ages and as they age, their spine ages. And the flexibility of the materials that form the skeletal system change with age. So everyone has sort of an expected function of their spine. Um, I went to my daughter's school today and so I brought her home from school and I can't believe how heavy her school bag is. And then she's complaining of back pain and I'm going, well, yeah, you know, that kind of makes sense that, you know, you're carrying this sort of heavy school bag around with the strap slung over one shoulder. So of course it's going to hurt. So I think if your question is, when is back pain not normal? I think the answer is when it bothers you. You know, it can be as frequent as it has to be or as persistent as it has to be. As long as going, Yeah, okay, whatever, I can live with it, you know, it's kinda of okay. If you can't live with it is really where it needs to be treated or well, needs to be addressed, I suppose. So it's it's pretty self explanatory. If it's uncomfortable enough that you can't do the things you want to do, mm. then it needs to be looked at. And that's different for different people. You know, I have I have a gentleman who says that he can't sit in his old car because of the space that it's in, you know, after an hour, he feels like he just has to get out and then stretch his back. Whereas he's fine in his new car, you know, which is just a totally different configuration mm-hmm. from his old car. Mm-hmm. So you would think, well, that's kind of not really a problem, is it? It's just that, you know, he's a car enthusiast. His old cars are like one of those classic cars. And, you know, he spends his weekends going around for drives in his sort of very old, very classic car. And so for him, it's a problem. For somebody else, it wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, who else do I have? Um, I have a teacher. So I have a teacher who can't stand for more than 30 minutes. So she sort of dreads lessons where she has to stand for more than 30 minutes because she feels her back's just unable to support her weight. Um, who else do I have? I have a granny. Um, she's 80 plus. And she says basically when the grandchildren pull her arm on either side and pull her paw forward that her back hurts. So it's kind of different for different people. But, you know, everybody just has kind of reached the limit of their function. And they're asking, well, you know, A, is this normal? B, is something bad? And C, can something be done?
0: Mm. And I love the fact that, you know, it's related to what is important to them, uh, what they need or want to do, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And what is the spine's curvature meant to do then, as well as what is healthy and unhealthy in that context?
1: Okay, so let's start with the normal shape of the spine. So we'll sort of give you a little bit of um, history here as to how the spine develops. Now, in the fetus, the spine is just shaped like a C. Literally, it's just shaped like a C because the fetus is tucked in the womb and you know that's sort of the, the most effective way to pack something big into a small space. Now, if you divide the spine into three parts, which is the cervical, thoracic, and lumbar, cervical meaning the neck part, the thoracic meaning the rib part, and the lumbar, meaning below the rib part. These are the common three descriptions of the spine. Now, if you can imagine when something's bent over like a C, we'll call that a kyphosis. Um, and that shape is normal for the thoracic spine. So there's only one primary curve in the spine. Primary curve meaning the curve that you were born with, and that's called the thoracic kyphosis. So when you have little babies and you sit them up, sort of like squish up like prawns. And they squish up like prawns because, you know, that's how their spine was in neutral. As babies grow, what happens is there's an element of the cervical of the spine called the discs. So there's sort of big bones and between the bones, there's sort of jelly-like soft structures. That disc-like material starts to change shape. And the secondary curves of the spine, meaning the cervical lordosis and the lumbar lordosis, the lordosis is that sort of shape of the spine that we commonly associate, that lordosis is actually a secondary phenomenon. So the the spine has a cervical lordosis, a lumbar lordosis, both of which are secondary curves, and a primary thoracic kyphosis. So when you look at somebody from the side, these are the curves that we describe. We describe a cervical lordosis, a thoracic kyphosis, and a lumbar lordosis. What's important to understand is that these secondary curves develop as a function of the intervertebral disc. Now, The disc is rectangular in very young, and as people get very old, the height of the disc decreases. So if you look at the spine from the side, there's a cervical lordosis, a lumbar lordosis, and a thoracic kyphosis. And it's important to understand that these shapes are not intrinsic or primary to the spine. They come because of the shape of the disc. So the cervical disc is wider in front and narrower at the back, and the lumbar disc is wider in front and narrower at the back the thoracic disc is just rectangular. So you can imagine then that you've got this sort of mobile spine segments with wedges in between, and the shape of the wedges decide on the shape of the curves. So in the very young, the wedges are rectangular. In the very old, the wedges become rectangular. So you lose the shape of the spine in the very old. So it's normal to expect a change in spine shape as you get older. And I think that's one of the important concepts that I'd want to be able to get across because there are health practitioners in the community who are offering adjustments for spine on the basis of x rays which show that the curve has been lost. Well, someone 65, 70, the curve's going to be lost. It's part of the aging spine. Mm-hmm. So I think the idea of curves in their spine is sort of important in terms of understanding what are the normal curves. And the normal curves are the ones that you can observe when you look at the person's side on. If you look at the person straight front on, the spine should be relatively straight. And when I say relatively straight, I mean, if you look at a graph, there's an x-axis and a y-axis. That means that the spine shouldn't be tilted to the x-axis or y-axis. But there's an important concept that I want to get across, which is also deformity in the z-axis. So that means the axis that's going in and out of the page, if you're drawing on graph paper x-axis goes up, y-axis goes uh, across, and the z-axis is the axis that goes in and out of the paper. So it's a lot of, um, there's a lot of confusion about scoliosis when I use the term scoliosis because people go, well, my spine doesn't look like a snake that on the x-ray or, you know, my body isn't all bendy, um, like I see on the pictures on the internet. But it's not just that. So a scoliosis means that the spine is deformed in one or more of the three axes which is X, Y, and Z. Now this is a little bit complicated and I've been thinking of a way to describe it. And I think the best way I can describe it is one day when I was having Nasikanda, I looked at the guy on the picture and the guy on the picture is carrying a basket on the front and a basket on the back on a bamboo pole. And you can imagine as he's walking, the baskets sort of shift and bounce and he's balanced them on his shoulder. Now, imagine if that pole that he was using wasn't straight. Imagine if that pole that he was using was bent. What would happen? He would be able to balance it, but it would take a lot more effort because the forces within the pole don't cancel out within each other. And I think that's sort of a key fundamental concept that is difficult to explain when you're talking about a bent spine. Because people are thinking about it in terms of a bent piece of wood or a bent piece of metal. But that's not the character that we're interested in. That's not the functionality of the spine that troubles people in the scoliosis. Functionality of a spine that troubles people in the scoliosis is the fact that you've got this piece of wood, which is supposed to be able to bend and flex and bounce and balance. And suddenly it can't do those things correctly, right? Mm -hmm. So you really have to think of the spine in terms of a very dynamic structure. And a dysfunction in a dynamic sense rather than just a static sense and the confusion comes about because you know we look at spines on x-rays we look at spines on mris so people get this impression that oh it's kind of like a static concept or a static idea it isn't it's a very dynamic concept and a very dynamic idea and this idea that you know everybody's spine is all identical and perfect except for those who have a problem with their spine is not true Every person's nose is a different shape. You'll have noses in families, you'll have noses in races, but every individual's nose is relatively unique to their face. You may get two individuals with relatively very much the same nose, um, and if they're natural, then that would be an anomaly. And it's exactly the same with the spine. Everybody's spine is different, just like the rest of their body. So the sense that people come in with an x-ray and say, oh, I've been told that there's a scoliosis. Oh, my God, it's horrible and terrible. Um, That's entirely untrue. It's like somebody taking a picture of an an x-ray of your nose and saying, oh, your nose is different to everybody else as well. Yeah, sure. It should be different to everybody else's.
0: All right. We'll go for a quick break. And come back to continue this discussion about scoliosis, trying to understand the facts and bust some myths and misconceptions about it. Joining me on the show today, consultant orthopedic surgeon Dr Rajesh Singh. We'll be right back on Health and Living BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living. I'm Tishao Ik. Joining me via Zoom, Dr. Rajesh Singh, consultant orthopedic surgeon, talking about scoliosis today. Um, What a healthy spine is, uh, what normal or healthy functions should be for each individual. And how that's really um, very much um, different in every single person, uh, and how scoliosis, um, you know, should really be regarded within those nuances within each individual context. So when, um, when, and how do we then um, look at our own spine to see whether um, its curvature is serving us? Uh, how would you? How would we know um, whether there is a problem with it?
1: Okay, so it it really depends on the individual and their circumstances. So um, I'll give you some examples from practice. The teenage girl will come in saying that her clothes don't fit right. The mothers will come in saying that the children don't sit up straight. The Um, sort of office worker will come in saying that their upper back and shoulders are killing them all the time. Um, And these are for, you know, mild cases or moderate cases where there's no sort of very significant spotted a mile away deformity. Right, So those, those are the scoliosis I'm talking about. The sort of abnormality in body shape where it's clearly obvious from afar that the spine's clearly not straight. So, you know, so instead of having a piece of wood that's sort of a little bit twisty and bendy, you're talking about a piece of wood that's like, you know, L-shaped or T-shaped or something, right? That's clearly abnormal. So in those cases, there's a structural problem with the spine that means that in its formation, the spine didn't form correctly. Some of the elements that go into the genetic template that produces the elements of the spine didn't happen correctly. And because they didn't happen The spine is bent. So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the vast majority of a variety of normal, of people who come in.
0: Then for those examples you gave, a teenager whose clothes don't fit right, um, kids who don't sit up straight according to their parents, um, again then, how do we go on to say this is a problem that would require some form of correction if it doesn't cause them actual functional problems or
1: pain. Okay, so this is one of those things which is really dependent on how much does it bother the person and how much effort are they willing to put in to correct it and how correctable it is. So the first thing to say is that the shape of the spine is imminently pliable, right? And I'm not saying that you can correct the deformity permanently, but if you think of the spine as a block of, you know, a series of blocks, one on top of another, if the blocks are slightly rotated or tilted, you can rotate them or tilt them back. And that's done using muscle power. So in my practice, if I were to see that child whose parents says, you know, their shoulders are always lopsided and they won't sit straight no matter how much I scold them, beat them, et cetera, et cetera. The first thing I would uh, do is I would examine them and I would look at whether the child has reached full height or not because structural deformities of the spine are amenable to correction um, largely during the period of growth. So if they're not growing, there's not much you can do about it. The second, well, I mean, there is, but, you know, it's not a permanent, permanent fix. It's a functional fix. If they're beyond the period of growth, Then I look at them and I work out, is this a structural scoliosis? That means that is it a broken spine in inverted commas? Was there something deficient in the template and formation of the spine? Or is it just a variety of normal? And if it's a variety of normal, usually what needs to be addressed is the parents just need some reassurance. They need to be told, look, this is a variety of normal. And if you want, these are the things that can be done. They can reduce the appearance of asymmetry. They can improve the function of the back. They can reduce the amount of back pain. And sometimes that's really all the information that the parents need. You know, I've I've got a few under follow-up where the kids are sitting exams and the parents say, you know, they won't sit down for more than three hours because the back hurts, or they can't concentrate for more than two hours because the back hurts. So in that circumstance, you know, I'd look at it a little bit more closely and say, well, you know, let's look at the various elements of the spine see whether there are any pain generators, see whether we can address those pain generators or not. Um, And then once we get rid of the pain, allow them to have some functional rehab. So controlling pain in spine is a huge topic, like a really massive topic, and sometimes a controversial topic. um, But for the purposes of what we're talking about today, it's basically we look at the spine function and we say, Can this person use their spine, i.e. can they be instructed by the physiotherapist? Can they undergo a program of rehabilitation to be able to strengthen the different elements of the spine in order for them to have a straight, pain-free, high-function spine? And if the answer is no, because they have pain, then we would look at procedures where we numb the joint for a while so that or get rid of inflammation of the joint or regenerate the joint, so that they can participate more fully in a proper rehab program.
0: Hmm. I noticed you haven't mentioned things like braces and surgery, which is what comes up when I just type in scoliosis.
1: Correct. That's why clickbait exists, and there's lots of (laughs) Okay, so, um, the idea is, surgery is for a scoliosis, which is unacceptable. Now, Notice I phrased that very carefully. Surgery is for scoliosis. That's unacceptable. And I'll tell you why I say that. When I was training uh, in orthopedic surgery, there was a particular case conference we had. That's where we have surgeons invited from around the world and they come in and, you know, we exchange notes and discuss cases. And in this particular situation, the case that was being presented was a teenage girl, probably late teens, maybe you know, 17, 18, 19, somewhere around that. And she had to me what was a variety of nose shape. Right? Her spine was a little bit crooked, it wasn't a structural problem, as in there were no defects in the bone, there was no defects in the soft tissue, there was nothing to say that there's something structurally wrong with the spine. So the analogy I make is she just had a variety of no shape. So we went through the whole history and examination and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this young lady's complaint was that her clothes didn't fall right. And the surgeon was prepared to offer her surgery on that basis, scoliosis surgery. And scoliosis surgery is not small surgery. It is massive surgery with risk of bleeding, risk of death, risk of paralysis. So I did sort of, you know, unfortunately, I was unable to keep my mouth shut. (laughs) Very very unfortunately. So I did get up and I asked the visiting surgeon, I said to him, sir, what is the purpose of the surgery? And he said to me, to correct this hump. And I said, what is the purpose of correcting this hump? He said, so that her clothes fall better. I asked him, so are you a cosmetic surgeon? then?" And for a spine surgeon who takes himself very seriously, that did not go well. So I'm really conservative in my practice. And my view is that patients don't necessarily know the size of the problem that they're biting off when they opt for a medical procedure. They just know what they hear on TikTok, what they see on Instagram and whatever other social media is available and they make their decision on that basis and it beholds us as healthcare professionals to explain to the person what this lifetime journey of this major operation that they're going to undertake is. I'm not saying the scoliosis surgery is wrong. I actually think that when scoliosis surgery is done for the right reason in the right patient, it's fundamentally life-changing surgery. But that's in situations where the person's spine, which also holds the ribs and protects the internal organs, is so deformed that there's embarrassment of breathing, that there's embarrassment of heart function, that there's embarrassment of gut function, or that the deformity is so severe that it's socially crippling and disabling. In those circumstances, doing scoliosis surgery is profound. You literally give people a new lease of life. You know, they say, I feel taller. Well, you feel taller because we've straightened your spine and put some metal rods in it. I feel more confident. You feel more confident because your self esteem's up. You know, life is better. Well, life is better because we've taken that horrible source of back pain away. So, scoliosis surgery in the right patient for the right indication is fundamentally life changing. And it's one of those sort of very high quality adjusted life years surgeries that we have in orthopedics. It's just that um, indiscriminate. Application of a surgical solution because a problem presents itself is something that should be avoided.
0: In those cases, um, could the other rehabilitation, the other non-invasive therapies be helpful to somebody like her?
1: Okay, so not for this particular patient because she's already stopped growing.
0: Yes.
1: So if she had so the, the general, the general sort of so we have to be clear, right? There's the OMG, this needs to be treated. You need to come to clinic regularly, scoliosis. That's pretty clear. And in those patients, we will put them in braces, molded braces. We'll put them in sort of, you know, external braces. They can take on and off. In those sorts of cases, yes, absolutely. You know, treatment gets your spine straight. A, mechanically, a, a straight spine is mechanically advantageous. There's absolutely no way about it. All the elements of the spine will deteriorate if you have a post scoliosis. And the way to think about it is just like a chain. If you have a motorcycle chain and you have a sprocket at the back of the motorbike and the sprocket at the front of the motorbike, now, if those sprockets are twisted and you run the chain, what's going to happen? You're just going to wear the chain out, right? And that's sort of a good way to understand the degeneration that happens in the spine when you have a scoliosis, mm. because you've got a twisted spine and that twisted spine is moving. And so you get elements of the spine that deteriorate faster than others. Um, You know, I'll get parents who come in. I'll get parents who come in and say, you know, this boy isn't sitting straight in class. And the family came in. So I examined the boy and I said, well, I think about 10 or 11. I said, well, it's got this mild scoliosis. And then she goes, how come? So I said to her, you stand here. The mother had the scoliosis. The father had the scoliosis. Mm. So, but they didn't know about it. You know, in the times that they were growing up, that idea wasn't entertained. You fidget in school, you get rotan. You learn how to sit still. Um, and then they wonder why their back is so stiff. So he just got what his parents had. He just has it in this day and age. And in this day and age, the expression of his problems is a little bit different. So putting somebody with a mild scoliosis into a brace, I think, is unkind. Uh, strengthening somebody's muscles and teaching them how to use the sort of uh, their limbs correctly and posture and activity correction with somebody who has a mild to moderate scoliosis, I think is kind because it gives them functional uh, treatment. Denying somebody with severe scoliosis surgery is clearly wrong.
0: But how will um, you know the sort of other approaches that you said, how will they mitigate the eventual progression of scoliosis?
1: Okay, so this one is a little bit dependent on the aging spine. Okay. Now there's this thing called a Cobb angle. A Cobb angle is an x-ray measurement that we do. We sort of stand somebody up. We take a picture of the whole spine and we look at what's called the primary curve and what's called a compensated curve, right? Now this is looking at them front on, not looking at them on the side. So the cervical lordosis, thoracic kyphosis and lumbar lordosis, those are inherent curves. In the scoliosis, you're looking at somebody front on and those are not inherent curves. Those are, I wouldn't, wouldn't call them normal curves. You know, a variety are normal, but when it gets to the age of normal, that's when it troubles people. So your question was, what do we do about a scoliosis for the aging spine? And the answer is we do the same thing we do with every other spine. You make sure that you have the appropriate exercises, make sure that you have the appropriate degree of flexibility, make sure that you load the spine correctly. Your seating posture is correct. Your lifting posture is correct. Um, and all those things will go to protect your spine. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, in, in my operating theater, one of my operating theater nurses climbs. So we do this thing called the patient transfer, where we transfer the patient from one bed to the other. And um, we, have, we had a new staff, and she climbed on the transfer bed to be able to grab the sheet to pull the patient across. And I looked at her, and I thought, wow, that's fantastic. I said to her, where did you learn? Because she's tiny, right? And she has to lift these heavy, or she has to slide these heavy patients across. And I said to her, where did you learn to do that? And she goes my gym class, hmm. right? which is fantastic because she's clearly learned how to look after her back for her job by using her thigh muscles and her leg muscles and her arm muscles without loading her back. So it's just practical stuff like that.
0: Hmm. Will it ever progress to um, those extreme situations you said though, where it actually affects your breathing, your heart and things like that?
1: In general, no. So if you have a scoliosis, which is within the moderate range, mild to moderate range, and and you stop growing, it doesn't progress once you stop growing. Mm. There's another part of it. There's another sort of peculiar problem, which will cause some confusion, called a degenerative scoliosis, which means that in some people, the spine was straight when they were born. Due to trauma, injury or degeneration, the spine becomes a little bit crooked. Oh. So that's a degenerative scoliosis. And that then gets confusing because people go, well, this segment of the spine, usually the lumbar segment has an S shape. Why did the S shape develop? Did it develop because they had it from birth? Or did it develop because they were tapping rubber for the last 40 years and getting buckets downhill on one side? Hmm. My votes with the latter. Yeah. So this spine was inappropriately loaded for an inappropriately long time. What's the spine going to do? Of course it's going to respond. The mm-hmm. spine is a really dynamic thing.
0: So you've addressed many uh, things that people misunderstand, uh, myths about scoliosis. Is this still a problem in practice where, and I know this is your, your pet topic, um, diagnosis is made on the basis of an imaging test. And is that happening with scoliosis as well?
1: Uh, Yes and yes, right? More importantly, the diagnoses are actually being missed on X-ray and on MRI. All right. Because think about it. The spine is a dynamic structure. If you have a Z-axis scoliosis, that means you can only see the scoliosis when you bend forward or when you bend backward. What are you doing during an MRI? Are you bending?
0: Mm, You're lying still
1: you're lying still, mm. you're lying flat mm. and you're told to lie straight.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So in my practice, I actually do what I call bending films. So I'll actually get an X-ray where the person bends forward and bends backward. And what that allows me to do is it allows me to see what the mobility in those various segments are. So if, I, if you take the example of that motorcycle chain again, you know, you've got a front sprocket that's bent, the back sprocket that's bent and the chain's running. Now, if you don't If you just look at the chain while it's not moving, you just get an idea, well, chain's sort of saggy and worn. But if you look at the chain while it's moving, you can say, well, these four links move, the fifth link doesn't move, then the sixth link jumps, then the seventh link moves again. And that's basically, I think, the correct way to understand the spine as a dynamic structure, not as a static structure.
0: What are some other misconceptions about scoliosis? Some... The causes, for instance, or even alternative types of treatments?
1: Okay, so um, with due respect to other practitioners who look after the skeletal system, um, every scoliosis doesn't need to be treated. Uh, every, Every bent spine doesn't need to be straightened. It should be assessed whether there's a primary cause. It should be assessed whether there are any associated issues. And a lot of the time, in my experience, when somebody comes in with a slightly bendy spine, the pain doesn't come from the skeletal elements. The pain doesn't come from the spine, doesn't come from the vertebral body, doesn't come from the disc, doesn't come from the facet, doesn't come from a slipped disc, doesn't come from a spondylolisthesis. It comes from the soft tissue envelope around it, right? Because you have to remember, you've got the ribs associated with the spine. Now, when you have a scoliosis, not only is your spine not straight, your ribs are also not straight. So, you get the situation, yeah, which is interesting. So, if you get back to the Nasikanda pole example again, the Nasikanda pole is actually not round, it's kind of flattish. Mm. Okay, so it's flat on one end, flat on the other end, round in the middle, like a bamboo kind of thing. So, if you imagine the pole is twisted clockwise, anti clockwise, front and back, and curved slightly, imagine how hard it would be to balance your Nasikanda.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's basically what happens with the rotational scoliosis, people are using super duper extra muscle power to be able to carry their spine forward. And that's why they get fatigued. That's why they get so tired all the time. If you correct one of those dimensions, then you have the fatigue on the back, even if you can't correct both dimensions. But the aim is not for a straight pole. The aim is for a pole that's curved only in one dimension. Because when it's curved only in one dimension, you can adjust it around so that you can accommodate for the loss of balance. But if it's curved in two dimensions, it's impossible to balance. So in terms of spine rehab, the answer is really functional, not x-ray based. And unfortunately, a lot of um, healthcare practitioners will use the x-ray to convince people that, oh, look, you've had treatment, your curve's better. Well, your curve may be better, but your symptom may be worse. Your function may be worse. Mm. So we have a very pragmatic functional outcome, which is if it works, it works. If it works for you, it works for you. If it's not harmful, keep doing it. If it's going to hurt you, we'll teach you how to change it.
0: Any myths um, that you'd like to correct when it comes to what you can or can't do if you have um, scoliosis that, um, you know, it's probably acceptable for the individual? Mm.
1: Um, the first thing is you don't need a very expensive neck pillow. You don't need an extraordinarily expensive mattress. Um, I get asked advice on mattresses all the time. And my best answer is a Koi mattress. Um, that's the one made out of uh, coconut fibers. The, they are hard enough and soft enough to be able to support the spine. Um, what else do... What are the other common myths? Other common myths is that I'll get paralyzed. <clears throat> Excuse me. The answer is no, you won't get Paralyzed. What else is there? School bags, school bags and scoliosis. It's not school, you know, heavy school bags don't cause scoliosis. Heavy school bags just make existing bendy spines more painful. So, is it a good idea to reduce the weight of school bags? Yes, but heck, you know, if you know how, tell me because I was struggling with my daughter's bag this afternoon. (laughs)
0: Um, Sports, active lifestyles?
1: More is better, Uh, pain is not. So if you do sports and, you know, you end up hurting your back all the time, then you're not doing yourself a favor. Um, I think probably the, the only other thing I would say which is really missed is upper back, shoulder, and sort of neck pain is significantly associated with bent spines. And sometimes correcting those secondary changes will affect the primary outcome. So the example I always give is your arm is hung off your chest wall and your spine. If you had no arms and, but you had shoulder blades and you put a backpack on, the backpack strap was very tight on one side and very loose on the other. That would affect the comfort of your back. So I find a lot of shoulder problems. People have an adhesive capsulitis, a frozen shoulder that they'll develop upper back and neck problems. Because when the movement of the upper limb is restricted, it's like having a backpack with the strap tight on one side. Mm. So in those patients, I wouldn't address the scoliosis. I would actually address the shoulder. And I would address the shoulder to offload the spine. Just think, nasi kanda poles and how you're going to load them.
0: Mm. So as a final message, um, what is the bottom line when it comes to living with scoliosis?
1: every body is different. If it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't work for you, have it looked at. But fundamentally, everybody is different.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Rajesh. I've been speaking to consultant orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Rajesh Singh, and he's been straightening out scoliosis for us on this episode of Health & Living BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind,